Glory. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Well, I have been contemplating since 4 o'clock this morning what to preach today. And uh, I got a lot to say, so you might get all the messages I've started. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you today. Before we get started in the message, I want to remind you about the purpose and the focus of year 2017. We talked out of 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter, verse 1 down through 8. We talked about pursuing, overtaking, recovering of all by faith and seeking God. Five things that we want to capitalize or spearhead our year 2017. We need to, as a church, we need to pursue God's very best for our life. And we need to pursue everything that the adversary has taken from us. Doesn't matter what instrument he used, but we need to pursue it. We need to overtake, which we will, and we need to recover all, and we need to take the spoil back from the thief that has stolen us. And then we need to do it by faith. You can't be idle about the matter. You're going to have to incorporate your faith. You're going to have to use your faith. The just live by it. So let's expand our life limits or our life boundaries and include God more in our life. And then let's also rise up and seek the Lord. <clears throat> I want to speak to you today. If I could have Matthew... 6, 5 through 9, up on the screen. I want to talk to you about the death of a Pharisee. Really, I want to talk to you about escaping the death of a Pharisee. What is a Pharisee? A Pharisee is a sect or a group of people who seek for distinction or recognition, identity, or affirmation or accolades from people by doing outward outward works or observing certain things or rituals or things that call attention to their self. A Pharisee is one that believes that what he does establishes who he is and draws attention from God to himself. A Pharisee is simply a works-oriented individual. Now, there is nothing wrong with works, but they must be done in right attitude. Amen. People come to church sometimes because they're Christians. And you should come to church because the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves as a manner of some is. So God doesn't want you to be like those people sitting at home on their, their deli, what do they call it, derriere or their rear end. <laughs> saying they don't have to come to church to be a Christian, but they declare they're Christians by watching preachers on TV. And if TV went dead, their life is about as shallow and it'd be dead. And that is a rebuke to you. Now, moving right along. So, it is an attempt to get God to recognize 
your identity or who you are or to get God to favor you in some way. But Christianity is not works, though faith creates works. I hope that you understand that. That you can't work your way into heaven, but because you are a citizen of heaven, you work for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Amen. Now in Matthew 6, 5, it says this, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love praying, standing in the synagogues and in the corner corners of the streets that they may be seen of men verily I say unto you they have their reward in other words no matter how much they're praying God is not recognizing it nor are they going to get an eternal reward but thou when thou prayest enter into your closet when thou hast shut the door pray unto thy father which is in secret and thy father which seeth thee in secret shall reward thee openly but when ye pray, use not vain repetition, repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they may be heard for their much speaking. But be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. And next verse, And after this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, hypocrites... Just by this type of dem uh, definition tells you that their whole crutch of things is to be recognized by people or to be known by what they do or what they don't do. We don't want to die the death of a Pharisee. Working or trying to work or trying to appease or trying to please people by what we're doing. What we do should be motiv motivated by our love for God, could again, amen, our love for others, and faith to please Him. Now, that should be the motive of every Christian. Now, let's go down to Matthew 6, 16. Now, I'm just laying these things out because I want you to see the life of a Pharisee. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto who? Men. To fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, wash thy face, and that thou may appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father, which is in secret, that thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Lay not up for yourselves treasures up on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where th three thieves break through and steal. But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where moth, neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, Hypocrites desire to have earthly treasures. Hypocrites desire to be seen of men so that they get some type of accolade or acknowledgement of their spirituality or their value to God. This is wrong, but this is much of what happens to the church. Now, let's go to Luke 18, 9 through 14. 
Luke 18, 9. Remember, we're just establishing what a Pharisee is because we don't want to die a Pharisee's death. We don't want to die a hypocrite's death. Amen? And he spake to this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Stop right there. Hypocrites despise other people because they don't measure up to their standard. Nobody has to measure up to you. They are answerable to God. Amen. Amen. Now, next verse. Now, two men went into the temple to pray. The one was a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed, thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men. Notice he's praying with himself. Doesn't even say God's hearing. And then it says, I am not like other men that are extortionists, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithe of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not even so much as lift up his eyes to heaven, but he smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. A Pharisee spirit is a spirit of the world that judges everybody, that is critical of everybody, that compares everything and is self-supportive or self-sufficient. Now, when you have people judging people in our world today, they're constantly judging them by what they see, by what they have. And so I had a guy come to my house one time and said, Oh, man, you got a lot of stuff. This is what I said to him. I said, let's stop right here. I can see your mind has no sense in it at all. Now, this is what I said to him. I said, how many kids you got? He said, well, I got three. I think he said three. He might have said four. I said, okay, the kid costs $250,000 to raise. So let's, you and I, right now evaluate. My child has already left the home. So if I'd had two more, they would have left, and I would have had been a deficit of 500000 But you are still paying on that 500000 So let you and I realize that I'm already $500,000 ahead of you in life. Now, I'm not telling you I'm better off than you. I'm telling you that you have chosen children. I wish to God I'd had five, but I couldn't. We just could not have any more children. That, that's fine, dandy. One of Nikki is enough. Hallelujah. But a child costs money. I said, so I took all my money and bought this stuff. I said, but see that four-wheeler over there? That four-wheeler's 10 years old. I still have that four-wheeler. It's now 25 years old. So when you come say, oh, boy, you got a nice four-wheeler. I'll sell it to you at the cost of a new one, and I'll buy one. No, I, I said, stop trying to tell me or to put me in a box and tell me how much I have just by your looking. Look, I've been married at that time like 40-some years. I said, look, just by old age, you accumulate stuff. You lose hair, but you accumulate other stuff. Just by time, you accumulate stuff. But the young people don't know that. 
they think you just moved into the house and got everything. They don't realize your refrigerator is 15 years old and at night it goes clunk, 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 clunk. And you're in there praying in the Holy Ghost hoping to God it don't clunk, 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 clunk itself to death. Hallelujah. You turn the burner on, you got to blow to get the flame of the other burner to light the burner you're using because the pilot light is out. You ain't got enough money to get the thing fixed. See, people judge on an outward standard and know nothing about your life. You know, it's only been in the last five years that I have not worked two jobs in my life. Two jobs all my life. Phyllis will tell you, two jobs all my life. Even when I was a pastor, we worked. We sold land. We developed land. We had rentals. We fixed them dogs up, tried to get people move into them. They did. Praise God. We just sold our last one a couple months ago. And I'm free and I made money. Now, you don't know that. You say, well, I thought all you did was sit around at 12 o'clock, got up on Sunday morning and preached for two hours. That's how much you know about me. You don't know anything about me. You don't know anything about how hard I work. You don't know my investment. You don't know anything about me. You judge me on what you see. Amen? You say, well, you got a new truck. A church bought me that truck. Not this church, another church. They just wanted to bless me. Well, 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 what would you have said? Ah, forget it. Keep it. No, no, I didn't. So I did the next best thing. I said, look, buy it for the church and I'll drive it and pay taxes on it. But don't buy it for me. I've got to pay taxes on things. I don't want to pay taxes. So they bought it. When it gets old, I'll just give it to the church. Believe God, somebody else will buy me one. But look, you, you, we make judgments of people. I look at where you live, Joe. I know you wasn't in the mafia, but ordinary people don't live where you live. Well, only rich people live there. I know some of those people. They're rich, they're rich, and yet you're there. How did you get there? You build it. Where did you get stuff to build it, Joe? You bought it. With whose money, Joe? You related to mobs? Well, I know there ain't that much money in trash. Now, Joe picks up, he has his own trash company. Yes, he gets out of the car and picks up trash. You mean he's a trash, he's a trash man that God has blessed. Yeah. And see, you see where he lives and say, I wonder where that guy got all that money. <laughs> There's money in trash. Amen. David, you work. You do deals and things. You farm on the side. You do all that kind of stuff. People wonder, well, where does he get his money? Because you work hard. There's other people that have been promoted because of what they do. Look, folks, you can't just judge by looking at people. That's what Pharisees do. Amen. And then Pharisees are critical of everybody. Don't be critical of people. Amen? Amen? Just don't be critical. Don't be judgmental. And Pharisees are self-reliant. In other words, they think they don't need God. So we don't want to die the death of a Pharisee. Could I get an amen? Now, these are some of the points I want to bring out today. Christianity is a life surrendered and submitted to all things dependent upon God. The Christian life is not a life of self-reliance. It's a life of dependency upon God for everything that we are. Remember, in Him do we live and move and have our being. Too much of Christianity has used its faith to gain possessions 
of an earthly nature and never laid treasures up in heaven. Look, gain is not godliness. Amen? Now, it may come, and I thank God when it does. Well, God wants everybody blessed. I know that, and I believe that. But there are things that the devil does to people's lives that they just can't get ahead. That's why Jesus said, you'll have the poor with you always. And in fact, the first people that showed up at Lazarus' death was angels. Was angels. I don't know how many angels are going to show up at my funeral, but I hope one of them shows up. Amen? But angels showed up at him. The rich man, nobody showed up. So things in the earth are not the end or the usage of our faith. Could I get an amen? Now, a Pharisee spirit operates only out of works, not out of love and not out of faith. The Christian life is motivated by love. And it should be by three elements of love. Number one, Galatians 5, 6 says, faith worketh by love. And so we know that faith works basically based upon what we love first. And if all we're going to do is use our faith to get things, understand your love is directed towards yourself. Now, that's the most shallow of all loves. Now, you need self-love, but not to the point that that's all you use your faith for. The Bible says if a man doesn't love himself, he can't even love his wife. So we accept who we are in Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, then the Bible tells us that we are to love others. Now, this kind of gets sticky because very few people use their faith for others. Use their faith for others. We will see people's needs, but we never get involved in people's needs. We are the scariest people in the world. We are afraid to get involved in people's lives. Well, they got problems. <laughs> I talked to your wife. She said, you're a problem. <laughs> you, you, see, see we, but see, that's how we do. We're looking for people that have created a utopia in their life. But the Bible tells us to weep with those that weep. Come on, rejoice with those that rejoice. The Bible says, pray one for another that you may be healed. We see people struggling, and we don't even take those people to our prayer closets. We are not using our faith because we really don't love other people. Now, I'm, I'm talking to you about not dying like a Pharisee. A Pharisee cares about nothing but himself. Remember, he does everything to be seen of men. But he doesn't do anything in the closed closets of his life. Amen? How many people you know that right now are dying of cancer? How many? Two. Two people. You think they're going to die? It looks like it. Have you resigned that they will die? Or do you think, God, I'm going to pray like David until they do die. He prayed until his son died. Who could wonder or who could find out what God will do? Now, see, we know people that are fighting life by everything. They're hanging Right on. 
by a thread. We don't know when they're going to make it tomorrow. I don't know. I know people, I'm going to pray for somebody this afternoon. I'm believing God that they're not going to die. I'm believing God that God can raise them up. It looks bad, I know. But bad can also be turned into good, amen? You know, bad is not the end. God is the end. So, how much do we love people that are around us? You know, the church has come to the place that is not even moved by the hurting and the wounded, the desperate and the downcast. I'm not talking about in the world. I'm talking about in our pews. See, we have become so hardened that we are not even available to use our faith for others because our love is not large enough. And then the third thing that faith is used for is our love to God. Now, I will tell you that the most places our faith is used for is based on our own love. Love for ourself. But we are to love God, and if we love God, we are to use our faith to please Him, fellas. Everything that we do needs to be in the realm that God, I'm doing this not because I get something out of it. I'm doing it because this is a way that you would want me to handle it. And because I love you, it doesn't matter if I win or lose, this is what you want me to do. Now, I know that God will bring me victory, but it doesn't matter how it comes, how long it takes to come. It doesn't matter because I love him, I'm going to be with him. Amen? Amen? Now, Phyllis went through a bout of about four years, four and a half years. And I'm talking about one day she went to bed on a Saturday night or Friday night, and the next day she woke up, she couldn't move. I mean, she was crippled. Well, we didn't know that. You're right. You didn't know that. But we had to pry her open. Every 45 minutes, she had to get up and be, have a body massage. Guess who woke up every 45 minutes? Not the neighbor, me. She'd go into hypothermia. We had to heat bags, and Nikki and I would pack bags around her until she, her temperature came back up dropped down to 95 degrees. What was it? 92 degrees. 93. I knew she was cold, so we took a couple degrees off of that anyway. Nobody knew that. I mean, it was bleak. Couldn't open a jar. Couldn't open a, a milk thing. Couldn't even, uh, like, turn on the faucet. Couldn't open something to put water in. When I left town, Nikki had to start coming every morning to get her up, get her something to eat, get her situated, make sure she was okay. Day after day, for four and a half years, we did that. Four and a half years, we did that. I hardly showed up for the office, maybe an hour a day. Why did I take care of you? Because you love me. Because I what? I began to, I convinced her I loved her, and that's why I was there. She said to me, honey, why are you doing this? I said, don't pity me. This is my greatest hour. I could say I loved you a hundred times a day. Today, I get to show it. Today, I get to show it. 
So we use our faith. Now, people didn't know any of that. She couldn't put her. you seen her coming in here with flat shoes. As soon as she got off the stage, she had to be helped. Couldn't wear rings. Couldn't hardly brush her teeth. Couldn't do any of that kind of stuff. Couldn't bathe herself. One day I was bathing her. She said, I'm so humiliated. I said, two months ago, it's a turn-on. Now it's humiliation. I said, it's still a turn-on. Just stand there. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm just telling you, you've got to make good out of every situation. Amen. <laughs> you know, for four and a half years. But it didn't bother me. Not at all. Why? It was my greatest hour. I got to love her. Now she'll never doubt. Every time she says, I wonder if you love me, I say, eh, 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 you remember I used to bathe you. <laughs> now, you want, want me to show you I love you again, I'll go bathe you again. <laughs> Nobody knew why it wasn't your fight. It was our fight. It was our fight. People in the church knew. They helped carry us. They helped us to do things. The doctor every other week, three and a half hours away. Them just telling us, we can't help you. We don't know what it is. We have no answers. We can give you what we can give you, but there is no resolve for what you have. What you have does not exist. So we said, okay, that's fine. God knows. And we used our faith. We used our faith. And I'll tell you what, besides just a symptom or so, my wife is made whole. Hallelujah. Amen. I tell you right now, today she is whole. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, so, but you use your faith for what you love. And if we love God, we'll use our faith for God. Could I get an amen? Hallelujah. So I'm talking about not dying the death of a Pharisee. A life where faith is used to obtain things and to move mountains and to calm storms that is not and is not a life filled with relationship with God is a life that is never going to be satisfied, is never going to be fulfilled, and is never going to be filled with joy. I look at Christians. I mean from one day to the other. They're happy and sad. They're broken and they're whole. They're up and they're down. But this is not the way that God is. This is not the way that Jesus was. Now, certainly Christians have their ups and downs and their hardship, but not every day and every other day. Could it get an O? Amen. We are not bipolar people. One day victorious, the other next day ready to give up. One day God can do it, and the next day we wonder why he didn't. What's wrong with that? Stop that stuff. Where does this come from? It comes from a Pharisee life. It comes from a life that does things because they see him in Scripture, but they don't know the author that wrote the Scripture. Now, because we abound in the world and become so treasure-minded or so materialistic-minded, we miss the reason that we are supposed to. To live for God. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Let's go to Psalms 107 and verse 30. Psalms 107, verse 30. Remember, I'm talking about 
escaping the death of a Pharisee. We need to stop doing things just because the Scripture says it, and we need to find out why God wants us to do it. We don't, hey, I'm just going to fast, and then I'm going to tell people, and I'm, or I'm going to pray. Hey, I've been praying so much. I'm praying two or three hours a day. Well, bless your darling heart. That's great. But are you just praying to pray? Or are you praying because God has touched your spirit and called you to it? There's a grave difference. There's a grave difference. Psalms 107 and verse 30. Then are they glad because they be quiet, and he bringeth them unto the desired haven. And of the men, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry land. A fruitful land into the barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. He turneth a wilderness into a standing water and dry ground into water springs. And there he makes the hungry to dwell that they may prepare a city for habitation and sow the fields and plant the vineyards which may yield fruits of increase. Oh, that man would praise God for his goodness. You know, you have to know if God is good or not. I want to encourage you in the year of 2017. I have set my faith in the year 2017 that I am going to know God in a way I have never known him. Listen, I've known God in a lot of great ways. I've seen God do a lot of great things. He has done so many things for me, it's hard for me to comprehend. If I told you my journey for the last four and a half years, besides what Phyllis has been done, you wouldn't believe it. But I'm standing here today. My family's standing here today, whole, whole, redeemed and still saved and still giving God the glory. Now, we need to praise God for his goodness. But how are we going to do that if we don't know that God is good? Let's go to Exodus, and let's go to verse 33, Exodus 33, and let's look at verse 12. Exodus 33, 12. This is Moses. Now, he is a, a man of great faith. He's delivered Israel. He's seen the Red Sea open. He's seen what, what rivers come out of rocks. He's seen quail come up out of the ocean. He has seen manna rain down, longest miracle in the Bible, 12,500 times. He sees all of this, but guess what he starts using his faith for? Here's what he says. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people that thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. And now therefore I pray thee. Does anybody know what is behind a prayer? Somebody say faith. 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 
And it says, I pray thee that if I have found grace in thy sight, show me thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thine people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not up with me, carry us not up hence. And wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he, and he said... Beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and all, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me that thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass that while my glory passes by, that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back part, but my face shalt thou not see. Next word. Go ahead. Down in 34. Whoop. There you go. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Hello. We're coming. There you go. Yeah. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's talk about this verse till the computer. There you go, the computer. And the Lord said unto Moses, Hewn out two stones like unto the first, and I will write upon these stones the words that were in the first tablet which thou Break us. Go ahead, next verse. This thing is, oh. And be ready in the morning and come up in the morning into the Mount Sinai and present thyself to me in the top of the mount. And no man shall come up with thee, neither let any man be seen throughout all of the mount, neither let the flocks or the herds feed before that mount. And he hewned out two stones, and the stones like of the first. And Moses rose up in the morning and went up into Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hands and the two tablets of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed, wow, watch this. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord and the Lord be merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving the iniquity and transgressions and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the Father upon the children unto the children's children upon the third to the fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth, and he worshiped. And he said, If now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for thine inheritance. That's enough. Now, what did Moses use his faith for? 
David, he'd opened the Red Sea. He'd seen, he used his stick. He used his faith. He overthrown uh, the kingdom of darkness, as it were, Pharaoh's kingdom of Egypt. What does he use his faith for? To know God. To know God. Somebody say, to know God. See, we have used our faith for everything except to know God. We use our faith as an economic commodity. God, I'll give and you give it back. God, I'll pray and you answer. God, I'll do this and you do this. We have never used our faith most of the time to know God. But here's a man that's seen God in so many ways, yet without knowing God, he was empty. He was dissatisfied. He was joyless. He wasn't complete and he wasn't full. Could it be that you and I are just like the Israelites because we have never been to the cleft of the rock? We have never seen that God is good, merciful, Oh, we've seen in the Scripture its promises, and we use our faith whenever we need them, but it's just a commodity exchange. God, I need protection here. God, I need my enemies dealt with here. God, I need my rent paid here. But what if we knew God? What if we used our faith to know God? What if we started praying prayers like this? In John 6, Jesus said, No man can come unto me except the Spirit draws him. Could it be that we're using our faith for so many things that we forget to come aside? You remember after Moses had this encounter, they had to put a veil over his face because every time they read the Scriptures, they couldn't see the end of who God was. All they could see was the legalistic do's and don'ts of Christendom. That's how the church has become. We think Christendom is you don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't fornicate, you don't cuss. But that's not true because Christians do do that stuff. But if you saw God, you see him once, you will quit that stuff. You'll quit it. You know, the Bible says we need to lay aside the sin that does so easily beset us. Why are we so discouraged? Because we allow sin in its infancy, in childish sins. Here's a childish sin, being offended. (laughs) What is that? That's a baby. A baby. A baby gets upset when their toy is moved. Not an adult. Spreading an accusation, repeating a matter, talking about a brother. Those are childish. When I was a child, I did childish things. I spake as a child. But when I grow up, I put them away. What Christian talks about another brother? Who would do that? Not those that have seen God. Bitterness, anger, wrath, blasphemy, maliciousness, making a lie. Where does that come from? 
It comes from the Pharisee spirit that has never used their faith to see God. They think they can be a Christian by doing their due diligence, by self-temperance. You can't be a Christian by living on your own self-supply. It takes God to crucify the flesh. But if you see him, you can die immediately. Immediately. When you see God, it doesn't matter what people do. You have seen him. When you know he is faithful, does it matter what people say or what happens to your life? No. How can you be discouraged when you know that he that has promised never fails? But see, we've used our faith, but we've never used our faith to know him. So how about us starting to use our faith to say, God, draw me to you by your spirit. Draw me, God, into the cleft of the rock. Draw me to the secret places that I may behold who you are, that I can become who I am. Come on, shout hallelujah. How about James 4, 8? Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. Draw nigh, not just reading. If you're going to read, read to find him, to see him. Don't just read to memorize. Don't just read to say, I read the New Testament this month. No, read to find him. Somebody came to me and said, uh, how, just tell me how... How, how many times have you read the Bible? You know, you see miracles and stuff. I said, I've never read the Bible. But I do know something about him that wrote it. Amen. They can't get in their brain. They think education is the key to living with God, where it's nothing but love and faith born out of seeing him, Bill. Out of seeing him. Let's use our faith. To start saying things. God, draw me nigh to you, God. Draw me nigh. How about when he dried up the brook on Elijah? I'll tell you what happened. I'll bet you Elijah started praying, Hey, God, where you want me to go? What you want me to do? Let's ask God to touch our soul like he did David and dry it up like a postured until there's no place to go but to the Lord. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 6, that if you hunger and thirst, you shall be filled. But those are not natural things. It's not even in our nature, David, to seek God. It is only when God touches us that we are drawn by him. Let's ask God to make us hungry and thirsty, that we are dissatisfied with everything but him. That we come to church, that we get to assemble together because we love the brethren. We get to exalt him and praise him, not just because it's a, a ritual thing, but that it is a thing that we do. When we see the goodness of God, folks, you can't keep your mouth shut. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stay filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking ourselves in psalms and hymns 
and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in the Lord. The reason the devil has so much sway over us is because we're empty. We're just empty. Well, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I understand you're filled, but you aren't as full as you can be. Amen. How about Second Chronicles when they praise the Lord? God said, don't be fearful, don't be dismayed, don't be discouraged. You want to fight discouragement? Get praise involved in your life. Amen. You want to fight dismay and disbelief and unbelief and doubt? Get praise in your life. You want to ward off fear, trembling, and intimidation? Get praise in your life. But don't let it just be, I'm just going to pray. How about it being born out of seeing God and His goodness? I mean that your praise is authored of God. Not that it's authored of a ritualistic, well, you know, we lift our hands today. You can't keep your hands down. You know, I used to go to Brother Thomas, Samuel Thomas's church. Anybody ever go to Brother Thomas's church in here? Well, I used to go to his church when it was in Walpole. When I first got saved, I'd sit on the second or third row. And I just sat there like this all service. Then I'd stand up in the service and sit up, sit there. And they said, you know, you don't have to hold your hands up all the time. I said, I know, but everything he says is so good, I can't help it. So for months, I just attended with like this. Oh, that's a white guy that keeps his hands up. That, that, that's all I knew. I, I just never heard anybody preach the truth. He was my pastor for 30 years. And I attended that church, and all I knew was that I was just to praise the Lord. I remember when Brother Thomas, the day he died, I was in Lima getting my car washed, and I told Eric, I said, Eric, I can't come back from my appointment. Cancel them. I said, I'm going to go see Brother Thomas. He's going to go home to be with the Lord today. He said, Pastor, are you sure? I said, I, I, absolutely. So I went to the hospital. I was sitting there talking to uh, his, his uh, wife. Now I just totally went blank. Hallelujah. Laverne, that's right. Sister Laverne and I was talking and uh, I said, whoa, I just seen Brother Thomas preaching on the streets of the prophets. And I seen him kicking his leg up. If you ever saw him preach, he'd be kicking. Hallelujah! And uh, he always kicked his leg up. And I said, I just seen him kick his leg up. And she's a registered nurse, and all of a sudden she said, she heard, he died. And me talking about him. I said, you get out of here. He did not leave me talking about him, telling the story. She said, he just left. Just left. I had the honor of preaching his funeral after knowing him for 30 years. But I was there when he died. He was a man of faith. He would, they would turn his electricity off. And he, he would go through the house and turn his lights on. They'd all come on. And he'd call them and say, my lights are still on. They said, your lights can't be on. We turned them off. He said, well, I'm just telling you, I still got lights. They said, no, you don't. He said, okay. So he just lived without electric to his house. Then one time, he got behind on an electric bill, and they said, we're coming to shut your water off. He said, well, go ahead. God will provide. Now, I know you think I'm pulling your leg, and I know you think that, no, I'm telling you, 
They come and shut the water off. He called them and said, I still got water. They said, no, you don't. He said, well, I, I, yes, I do. They came and dug the main pipe up in the street and tried to shut his water off, and they couldn't shut his water off. Absolutely. Those are true stories of a man of faith. That would fast 40 days and just think nothing of it. His life was not his own. Hallelujah. And he preached Jesus. And so, but see, he saw God. He knew God. He didn't just read about God. I don't know about you. I don't want to read stories about God. I want to see God. In the year 2017, I'm going to pursue God as much as I would pursue anything in my life, more so. And I'm going to pursue to know Him. Now, I know you heard this 15 years ago when I separated myself to go into the realm of miracles. But this is something greater than miracles. This is in the realm of knowing Him. And I am going to see and behold the Lord. And I know and I want you to seek the Lord. I don't want you just, well, I know him, I know this. I don't want you to just use your faith for monetary gain. That will come. That will come, David. I'm telling you, it will come up on you faster than stink from garlic. I'm telling you, it'll get right on you. And it'll overtake you. It'll swallow you up. And even if I die a pauper, and I know him. It's worth it all. Amen. Year 2017, we're going to pursue, we're going to overtake, we're going to recover all, we're going to live by faith, and we're going to seek him. Amen. Let's just begin to pray. God, show yourself to me. God, draw me to you. God, make everything else seem worthless. God, show me yourself. Let us be like the people that came and they said, we would see Jesus. We would see Jesus. How about him coming and visiting us like he did John the Revelator? You say, he wouldn't. Yes, he will. He will come. We ask him to come. He will come. Let's begin to pray. God, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. How about never being discouraged again? Now, wouldn't that be great, Dr. Obalu? Just never be discouraged no matter what happens. You just never get down. Amen? Amen. Let's stop making the church a blow-up system. We come in filled with God. Amen? Amen? And we come in to minister. We come in because we've been in his presence and we know him. I don't want to die the death of a man that all he did was use his faith to have evidence to tell other people he was a Christian. I want people to say, you can't look on him. If you do, you'll see Jesus. Amen? I want to know God. I really want to know God more than I have ever known him so that the world can see him through me.
I want to be known of God, but I want to know Him. I want to love Him because He first loved me. I'm not talking about you not knowing God, but I'm talking about counting where you're at as a starting point of where He wants us to go. Amen? Let's just allow God to put His arms around us. Let's dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. As we seek Him, I'm telling you, there's nothing that He will not do before you need it done. So let's pursue God. Amen? Amen. Let's begin to seek Him in all of our ways, in all that we do. Just begin to pray. God, make me hungry for you. God, make me so dissatisfied with life that only you can fill me. Make me so hungry and thirsty, God, that there's no place else that I can go. God, dry me up that I will come panting after you like the deer after water. Oh, God, that I would know you. That I would know you, God. That I would count everything else dung and be found in you. God, let me be mindful of that one thing. Reach out to that which is before me. Because where I've been is nothing compared to what awaits me. Oh, let me really taste and see that the Lord is good. Let me drink of the wells of salvation. Let me, God, abide in the shadow of the cross. Let me, God, use my faith to see you like I've never seen you before. You know I have need of all these things before I ever pray. But you want me to find you, Father. You want me to find you. You want me to find you. Oh, God, for your glory, draw us by your Spirit. Cause us to be as dry as the desert sands and as hungry, God, as a wandering sheep. God, make us to be stirred and dissatisfied like a stormy sea. God, let us be mindful to find you as a ship in a storm seeks for the shore. Oh, God, draw us by your Spirit that we may come. Draw us, oh, God, by your Spirit. Draw us, God, to the rock that is higher than us. Put us in the cleft, God, that will be changed because we see who you are, not just who we are. Let us behold your glory, that your glory will change us. Hallelujah. 
Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You have a song, Ashley. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. this altar your Christian life is a life of submission and total surrender just say God make me mindful of my need for you and just whatever it is just let God take it let God have it narrow is the way God's calling us drop off the baggage come on in He's waiting. 